Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. The ton of love food drive is a great thing, and I'm glad to see that spam made it on the table. So keep bringing it every week. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verses 23 to 29. Please stand with me to read God's word. This is, this is God's word, and it's God's word to us. And God's word is strong and powerful, and he's going to speak to us this morning. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, open our eyes, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. And as you're sitting down, think back with me a few years. Some of you may remember a TV show called Let's Make a Deal. I believe it was Monty Hall who was the MC. That was the show where people dressed up in crazy costumes in hopes of being chosen to play the game. And the host would offer them deals that they had to choose between. Now often a contestant would be given a choice between door number one, door number two, and door number three. And uh, sometimes the host might even give a sneak preview of what was behind door number one and two and three. For example, uh, behind door number one, a trip to Hawaii, all expenses paid. Behind door number two, a new living room. And then you had door number three. You see, door number three was often a, um, something like a year's supply of dog biscuits or some other you know, undesirable prize. But every once in a while, behind door number three, there were the dog biscuits and something more, something greater than the other two combined. And so contestants would sometimes go out on a limb and choose door number three while it looked foolish and ridiculous, just hoping that the the show's organizers would have put something extra behind the dog biscuits. Well, sometimes it just was dog biscuits or detergent or Eskimo pies or whatever. Uh, But other times there was something far greater behind that door. Now in life... We must choose daily. Sometimes we're tricked into thinking that what we can see and taste and touch and feel is all there is to, uh, to life. That there's nothing more. And the world and our perception plays tricks on us. 
And so in our choices, we don't always choose wisely. God never does uh, play tricks on us. When we take steps of faith, he has rewards far better than anything we can ever imagine. Now, even if life is a little like, uh, let's make a deal sometimes, following Jesus is not. See, God always has what is good and right in mind. He always has our good and his glory in mind. As the scriptures tell us, I has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But whatever we choose, there's always a cost involved. Let's say that you have the necessary skill and IQ and whatever else is involved, required, and you want to be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or whatever. It will cost you time and lots of money to get there. Let's say you want to compete at the highest level in sports. It's going to cost you things that we take for granted, like uh, Snickers bars and In-N-Out burgers. But you have to ask yourself, am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to pay the price? See, if you want to follow God's ways and be a person of faith, it will cost you your life. It will cost you your whole life. Moses is a prime example that we see today of someone who chose God's way by faith and paid the price. The crazy thing about faith is you have to be willing to be misunderstood, to be called a fool, to be called illogical, to be called fanatical even. But God says in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it's impossible to please him. We can't please God apart from our faith. And God rewards those who live by faith. Looking back to last week, It was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Their lives telling the story of faith in action, making the future become a reality. Faith looking to the future. Well, today, it's Moses showing us what it looks like to choose God's way and pay the price. Today, it's Moses, and the example of Moses begins with the courageous faith of his parents. Look with me at verse 23. See, when Moses, by faith Moses, when he was born, he was hidden three months by his mom and dad. It's their faith that's highlighted in this first verse. And they saw that he was a beautiful child. They saw he was a beautiful child, and so they were not afraid of what the king told them they needed to do. What did the king tell them they needed to do? Kill him. All the, baby Hebrew, all the Hebrew baby boys were supposed to be killed. But they were willing to risk their lives to save his. They did not kill their son as the king commanded because he was a beautiful child. So does this mean that Moses' mom and dad were playing favorites based upon looks? He's so beautiful, we can't do it. Now, if he was ugly, on the other hand, I know all children are beautiful in the eyes of God. But can you really tell me that every baby is beautiful? Allie had a cone head. Big old honking cone head. And I was like, when's it going to go down (laughs) to the regular shape? (laughs) But see, something deeper than looks is meant here. It wasn't just that he was so good looking as this little baby. See, by faith they saw what no one else could see. 
Moses was destined to be used by God in huge ways. So they risked their lives to save his. They put their lives on the line to follow God and were willing to pay the price. So we see the faith of of Moses' mom and dad. We also see the faith of Moses himself in a much bigger way because there's more things said about him He stands as a shining example of a person who was unafraid to be rejected by the establishment in order to do what he knew was right. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, the scriptures tell us when it was about 40 years old. When he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's the big deal? What's the big deal there? When he was 40 years old, uh, he publicly identified himself as a Hebrew. uh, Rather than the Egyptian son of the daughter of Pharaoh. So what's the big deal? God put it into his mind. Um, It's very interesting. Go to to Acts chapter 7 with me for just a moment. Stephen... The martyr Stephen spoke about Moses. And in verse 23 of Acts chapter 7, here's what we read. When he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. God put it in his mind. And and when he did that, And what happened next, he renounced his relationship to Pharaoh and his court. He chose to join up with Israel. And that that was huge, what he was giving up when he did that. See, the royal princess had adopted Moses after she found him uh, in the Nile River, by the Nile River there. He had been left out by his parents. They made that little ark for him, a little bassinet, put it in by the river, and his real mom, as we know from Exodus, actually got to care for him while he was a child. But Pharaoh's daughter officially claimed him as her own son. Now later on, he kills an Egyptian for picking on a Hebrew. And he officially denied his Egyptian heritage at that point. But Moses' choice is very significant. He preferred, as verse 25 tells us, to suffer ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. To enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. And this illustrated his faith. To suffer ill treatment literally means to suffer bad times with. So Moses chose bad times over good times. Who does that? Moses chose Bad times with the people of God over good times with his adopted Egyptian family. He gave up the human comforts, the luxuries. The guy was stinking rich. He was so rich, he did not have to count how much he had. He didn't have to think about anything like that. He could have what he wanted, when he wanted, anytime. 
The guy had all the human comforts and luxuries and financial security that came with power and riches in Egypt of those days. He had political advantages. He had social advantages in this royal family of Egypt. He was part of Pharaoh's household. Now, those advantages would have been pleasurable, but temporary. Weren't going to last forever. But we see in this verse that it was because the people were God's people. The people of God. Not just because they were his flesh and blood, that he stood with them. The bottom line was that he believed that God would fulfill his covenant promises to Israel. He lived by faith. Surely his mother, when she was caring for him as a child, explained his heritage to him. Surely he knew the promises that God had made and the promise of of a coming deliverer and a Messiah. But from all appearances, it didn't look likely that God was going to do what he said he would do. His people were slaves. So here it was for Moses, behind door number one. Prestige and power, the pleasure of sin, the enjoyment that would be within his reach if only he would deny his people and renounce their future as promised by God. Behind door number two, wealth and riches untold, innumerable. And behind door number three, pain, misery, suffering, Loneliness, rejection, many years' supply of all those things. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean that, if, that he would have been gratifying his sinful desires had he chosen to stay where he was, to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. It means that he would have enjoyed the prestige and power that would have been his and the status and position that Egypt would have given him. It doesn't mean that having a high governmental position is sinful per se. It doesn't mean that being wealthy is sinful per se. For example, Daniel. Daniel served God well under Babylonian and Persian rulers and God did not ask him to give up his position. So we need to be sensitive uh, to God's leading in each one of our lives as it relates to these type of things and do what would please him most in the place he puts us. Moses had a a tough choice to make. He gave up a lot. This wasn't the type thing where, hey, things were drying up in Egypt, so he might as well go to be with his people. He looked on the horizon, and the forecast said that Pharaoh was going to be losing quite a lot of his wealth the next year, and he was going to lose part of what was his. It wasn't like that. It was all his. And he gave it all away. He gave it all up. We discover something in verse 26 about Moses. It says that he considered the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He considered the reproach of the Messiah as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And the treasures of Egypt were substantial. The wealth of the Egyptians during that time is well known from the remains in many tombs and temples. The the treasures found in King Tut's tomb, for example, a later pharaoh in the same dynasty, gives us an example of the kind of luxuries that were within Moses' reach that he would have enjoyed as part of the the household of Pharaoh. But the choices he deliberately made put those luxuries out of his reach, no longer within his grasp. 
Although he was raised to take his rightful position within the household and the court of Pharaoh, the royal court, although, as Stephen says in, in, in Acts chapter 25, he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, he was mighty in words and deeds, although Egypt was the greatest power in the world at that time, he chose door number three. People must have thought he was a fool. People must have thought he had lost it. After weighing and considering the facts, he considered the reproach of Christ greater than what he owned in Egypt. Now what does the reproach of Christ mean? Does it mean that Moses experienced the same kind of mistreatment that Jesus did? Does it mean that Jesus was present with his people back then? And suffered along with them? Maybe. But most likely it is this. That Moses understood a, a large amount of messianic truth. And he realized that by identifying himself as the deliverer of Israel, as he did in Acts chapter 7 verse 25, he would invite upon himself the same reproaches that would come upon the coming Messiah who would fulfill the covenant promises. See, Israel was God's chosen nation. Moses knew it. And though uh, through her was to become the Messiah. And so by faith, what Moses was doing was anticipating the spiritual riches that would come in when Messiah came. The spiritual riches of the heavenly kingdom of God. Verse 27 says, by faith he left Egypt left he endured he saw him who is unseen scriptures tell us that no one has seen god at any time you can't see god and live but by faith he left egypt literally he forsook egypt and he went into midian now this happened when he killed the egyptian Ended up being gone 40 years. Then when God had prepared him, in his own time, God spoke to him from the burning bush. Told him, take off your shoes. The the ground which you are standing on is holy. And here's what I'm going to do. But when he went into Midian, what we find out in Hebrews is he wasn't just running from Pharaoh's vengeance. He wasn't just running from Pharaoh's retribution against him. The motivation was his faith in God. He saw by faith. Seeing him who is unseen. They say seeing is believing. It's really the other way around. Believing is seeing. He was looking to the reward. He was looking to God's reward of faith. Literally what he did was this. He looked away from the treasures of of earth to God. He looked away to all the stuff that he could have built his life upon. He looked away from all the stuff that he could have propped himself up with. And he looked to God instead. Because he was looking to the reward. He knew that what he had right here on earth wasn't his reward. That wasn't his beautiful reward that he would someday His focus wasn't on himself, it was on God. 
and what God wanted to do in and through him. Yeah, he had his moments. Yeah, he was a sinful man. But he was focused on the ultimate reward that he would experience in the life to come. Jesus talked a lot about stuff like that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He was looking forward to the riches he would enjoy with Christ in the heavenly kingdom. See, this thread of faith ran from Moses' parents to Moses and then rubbed off on his people. Rubbed off on the people he led. In verse 28 we read, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith Moses personally obeyed God's instructions, personally obeyed God's commands, to institute the Passover sacrifice, and the families of Israel followed suit, followed after what he did, followed his example. What did they do? They killed the Passover lamb. They sprinkled the blood on the two sides and the doorposts of the, of the entries to their homes. They believed that God would spare the firstborn in their homes. And they also believed that God would kill the firstborn of every Egyptian family. That was by faith. In verse 29, you see more of the faith of the Israelites in action. By faith, they, all of them, Moses and his people, passed through the Red Sea just like it was on dry land. While the Egyptians were drowned in that same Red Sea. They were miraculously saved by God. They were delivered by God. Israel trusted God and went through the waters of the parted Red Sea like dry ground. See, they believed the waters wouldn't kill them. They believed they could walk all the way through and not have the waters come on top of them and drown them. Now, the Egyptians were drowned in that same sea when they chased after the Israelites. Moses' mom and dad, Moses, his people, by faith, they lived. See, in Moses' example, we see that Moses was a somebody, an important guy, and he became a nobody. You know, you, you kind of like it when the story goes the other way around usually, don't you? You know, starts out as a nobody and rises to the ranks and becomes a somebody. And Moses took the, the path of uh, downward mobility. He, he descended the corporate ladder. Why? Why did he do it? We know he did it by faith. We know he did it because God wanted him to. It was what would please God. And here's another thing. We look at it and go, tragedy in the making. No. What he gained was far greater than anything he gave up. 
I believe that all roads in Scripture lead to or from the cross. I believe all roads in Scripture lead to or from Jesus. From Calvary. And in Moses' faith, we are appointed to Jesus. Moses' rejection, his disgrace, uh, was right in line with, with what Christ experienced. It foreshadowed what Jesus would later show on the cross. He knew that the prizes of earth were literally trash compared to the ultimate reward. Jesus paid the price of, of, of choosing God's way. In Luke chapter 9, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he talked to two men, Elijah and Moses. Talked with them about his, his coming exodus out of this world. His impending death on the cross for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we read that when they were out in the wilderness, they drank from a rock. Moses messed up on that rock once. But the rock that they drank from and that followed after them, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, verse 4, was Christ. was Jesus himself. Stephen, uh, preaching in a manner very similar to the writer of Hebrews, by the way, highlighted Moses' rejection as proof that he was a forerunner to the Messiah in Acts chapter 7. And when we, when we consider the example of Jesus, like Moses, he was protected by his parents from a king who wanted him dead. He was protected by God the Father, of course, but also by Mary and Joseph. In fact, look at uh, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 in the account of the birth of Jesus. What we see is that Mary and Joseph risked their lives and their reputations to follow God. See, verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1 tells us that when, when Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together as husband and wife, in every sense of the term, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. And so he was going to do what would be a righteous man's act. He was going to, to let her go and not disgrace her publicly, but send her away, basically divorce her secretly. He was considering this. That was his option, that was door number one. But when he had considered it, the angel of God spoke to him in a dream. And here's what he said. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So the carpenter had a dream. People would have called him foolish. Illogical. Fanatical. Sinful. I wonder how many people spoke behind Mary and Joseph's back. I wonder how many people called Mary names behind her back or thought it. I wonder how many people called Joseph a fool. But when he was born, God the Son, Jesus, was protected from King Herod because his parents 
risk their lives and their reputations to save his. Now on a much, obviously much higher level than Moses, Jesus himself stands as an example of, of one who paid the price for following God's way. Uh, he didn't assert his authority as God, but identified himself as a servant. We see it in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He chose to lay aside his privileges as God and endure ill treatment at the hands of sinful men. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. Praying God the Father, praying to uh, God the Son, praying to God the Father. And he went to the cross. And he allowed himself to be despised and ridiculed and rejected and forsaken so that we could be accepted in him. And the hands of love that were nailed to the cross are the hands that changed the world. Because Jesus inspires faith in his people. Jesus is our Passover. We, spiritually speaking, are sprinkled with his blood, thereby being forgiven through faith in him. Jesus delivers us from sin and death. We're saved from the wrath of God through faith in him. Freed from the power and the penalty of sin that we could never free ourselves from were it not that God came down and did it for us. We are saved by Him, and in turn, we obey Him. In in John chapter 15, verse 12, we read this. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends, You're my friends, if you do what I command you. Well, the question for us today is, what will we choose? What will we do when we, as we sit here and as we walk out the door and go about our daily life? What if, what if we were counted among those of faith who choose the harder route? We choose the harder way, by faith. See, you may be faced with with choices that seem like no-brainers. A comfortable existence or living in poverty. Hmm, which one should I choose? A pleasant work environment or one with hardship and strife. A new marriage with someone who really understands you or or staying in the, the struggling one you're in with someone who just doesn't like you too much right now. Now, you'd be a fool to choose the harder of the two ways, right? That's what many people and many Christians will tell you. Choose door number one. Take it. You deserve it. What if Moses' trusted advisors had counseled him like this? You deserve to be happy. You've worked too hard to give all this up, Moses. You'd be a fool to do that, Moses. 
but not if God is leading you. <laughs> See, all that glitters is not gold. And the myth of the greener grass is just that. It's a myth. What would have been easier for Moses, remaining a part of the royal family or becoming a slave? Making bricks with less straw. What would have been easier for Moses, staying in Egypt or spending 40 years in the wilderness? Misunderstood by the people God wanted him to deliver. What would have been easier for Moses, running for the high ground or walking through a red, the Red Sea? He consistently resisted the easy routes for ones that had less than desirable consequences. Short, short term. Better long term. What would have been easier for Jesus' earthly father when faced with a pregnant wife and the explanation that God was the father? If you've uh, never paid the price for choosing God's way, you're skeptical. But once you've done it, you'd gladly do it again and again and again. See, the easier route is always easier. And above all, we must choose to live for the glory of God. See, glory to God in the highest was not just the angel's song. Moses' parents sang it. They weren't afraid of the one who could kill them because they worshipped the one who would give them life. Moses sang it. He didn't fear the wrath of the king. God's pleasure was more important to him than that. He put his life on the line. We have to sing that same song too. See, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. So glory to God. Glory to God. Stephen, right before he was stoned to death, spoke out very boldly, put himself on the line. Paul, one of the guys that was standing by when Stephen was killed. Paul, when he came to faith in Christ, he was able to say, I count everything lost in view of knowing my Savior Jesus. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, I consider everything as rubbish, trash. I have suffered for Jesus' sake, he said, the loss of all things, and I consider them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's the choice God wants us to make. And we're willing to pay the price to go God's way. He makes our way very, very clear. Let's stand together. We started uh, this service by singing songs about Jesus' name. We started by remembering that Jesus is Emmanuel and he's with us. That's what I want us to leave with, that same thought. You see, if Jesus, when you know Jesus, when we know Jesus, he's always with us. Always. Emmanuel. So we can choose God's way and, and, and pay the price because Jesus is with us. Glory to God. Let me say one more thing. I want to encourage you today after the service, right, right now, connect with each other when you go your way. Don't just leave. If any of you are in the habit of just 
going out to the parking lot and slipping away because you don't want to get in all those conversations? Humor me today. <laughs> last night, last night, someone from this church, this beautiful, blessed church, this great fellowship of people, someone from this church called me three times last night at 10.30, 10.45, and 11. And then I shut off my phone. <laughs> and he called two more times, I found out later, because he was call- his phone kept calling me accidentally while he was with somebody else. Don't do that, all right? <laughs> Purposely, purposefully connect with each other today. God bless you. Have a great day.